NDV Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing is a podcast by the nonprofit organization NDV Healing and Support Incorporated that covers all things that correlate with domestic violence, such as mental health, narcissist abuse, true crime headlines, interviews from mental health professionals, and domestic violence survivor stories. In this episode, episode six, we meet Lisa Alexander. She is the founder and executive director of Stand Up Survivor, a nonprofit organization that provides premier services and a large amount of services to domestic violence survivors. She discusses her story of survival and discusses how she is helping other with all, others with all the amazing projects that she currently has going on. Okay, and welcome to the podcast for NDV Healing. Today is our sixth episode, and I'm really excited because we have an awesome guest joining us today. We have Lisa Alexander with Stand Up Survivor, which is a nonprofit organization out of Florida. She is doing a lot of things for domestic violence survivors, so I was really excited. It's really a treat to have her here today. So Lisa, thank you for joining us. Yay, thank you for that. That was so sweet. I'm really glad to be here. We've connected in different venues, so it's nice to actually sit down with you. So I'm excited. And um, what, can you tell us a little bit about Stand Up Survivor? Because you have a lot of things um, that Stand Up Survivor is doing throughout the community. So if you could tell us, tell us about Stand Up Survivor and some of the things that Stand Up Survivor is doing. Well, awesome. I will. Stand Up Survivor, I started in 2015 out of just my own purpose and pain that I had endured. Um, so Stand Up Survivor, we are based out of Orlando, Florida. And what we, we're a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, and we impact, our, our mission is to educate, empower, and equip survivors of domestic violence and the world through education and empowerment. And it's really important for us that we focus on the education part because oftentimes, like myself, I don't know about you, Therese, but I didn't know that I was in an abusive relationship. Um, and so through our social media platform, which we have an international reach, um, which we're able to really reach people all over the world, Australia, Africa, Uganda, um, um, UK, everywhere, we're able to really push out education about domestic violence. Um, and so locally here, we do help people, not even locally, I should say internationally, we do help people um, escape the domestic violence relationships. We help, we have a clothing closet, which we provide clothing and immediate hygiene products and resources for survivors. Uh, we have our program we call our freedom bags where if a survivor is in immediate need and they have to leave um, it's equipped with everything that they need at least for two weeks for themselves and their children uh, we have just a bunch of different things that we do um, i hold a seat here in orlando on the mayor's commission for domestic violence so we are a voice in the community ensuring that um, and from a survivor standpoint i think even more powerful because we know what we need and we know what we were lacking during this time so stand-up survivor it has a lot of hands in different places um, and so the goal is to ensure that no survivor continues to stay in an abusive relationship. I like that. And I like that you said that it has hands in different places because as, like you said, as a survivor, you know exactly what may be missing, what services may be lacking, but also you want to have your hand in different places so that um, people know what services are out there. Because a lot of times, and I've seen this a lot too, 
um, so much so from once I started the nonprofit is that there are a lot of victims that do not know what services are available to them. Mm -hmm. They feel like a lot of times they're alone and they're not aware of what services are available to them. And I like that your nonprofit is not only helping locally, but helping internationally because there may be someone who is not in the Florida area, but they still need help and they still need those services. So it's, it's good that you're able to provide that to everyone where no matter where they're at. Yeah, it's important for us too, because as we both know, Teresa, a lot of resources are scarce, you know, and so while shelters, especially now during COVID-19, they're full, but that doesn't mean that people aren't dying every day. That doesn't mean people don't need immediate services. So regardless of where they are, you know, from Jamaica to Africa, literally from New York to Texas, we've helped survivors leave where they are to get to safety. So it's important for us to be able to have that international reach so that you're not limited to immediate, you know, resources that may not be available for you. I love that. And then you also have going on books here that you're collaborating with. You have the Love After Abuse series, and then you have books that you've also published yourself. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because your books, um, you also talk about your story as well in there. Yeah, I, I um, had the opportunity to share my story a few years ago in a collaboration book. And, I, and that was the first time I actually to put my story on paper. And, I, and it opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and, you know, I don't know your faith, but my faith, the Bible talks about how we free ourselves by the word of our testimony. And I promise you that when I shared my story on paper, it freed me personally. But I also realized that it was freeing a lot of other people. They were inboxing me, contacting me. Oh, my goodness, I've been through this. And so when it, when it turned around and it came an opportunity where I was in the position to publish books and help um, other women become authors, not just women, but survivors become authors, I jumped at it. And so we just finished our first collaboration book, which is Love After Abuse. Um, and that one was a big one for me because I'm, I've been married almost four years now, remarried almost four years now. And I really want to be able to give people hope that love after abuse does exist. So these nine brave women joined me and we shared our story of love after abuse. So therefore I started Lisa Nicole Publishing where I help, it doesn't matter what specific trauma you've been through, I help pull that story out of you, help you get it on paper and, and help you get um, published as a published author. So we just started our second book collaboration, um, which you know about, but I'm excited about that too, where a bunch of different authors um, my Secret Life um, and their journey through domestic violence where they talk about um, sharing their story of domestic um, abuse. I, I'm writing this story, becoming an author, not only does it add another title to your name, but it also gives you an opportunity to go to different speaking engagements and speak and people listen to you because you have something to say. Yeah, and I think also too, it's important, like you said, you're getting your testimony out there, you're getting your story out there and you're actually putting it to paper but you're also providing, um, because education comes in all pieces, of course, with domestic violence. There's you know, domestic violence training, there's domestic violence coaching, but there's also that educational piece when you hear from a survivor and, and say, here, you know, here's what I've been through, but this is how I came out on the other side of it. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's the goal to empower them, you know, to know that, hey, I listen, I was there. I know what you're going through and I didn't see a way out. I didn't see how life could be exist after, but it does. And I'm living proof of that. Um, and so last night um, on my page, we shared, we had some of the survivors on there sharing their story of being um, authors in the book. And just the responses have been overwhelming because like, oh my goodness, this resonates with me. This was me. You're giving me hope. And that literally is what it's about because we know we saved life last night and that's why we do what we do. Yes, and, I, and that was really awesome too. I did watch that. I like. Yeah. If you haven't watched that, I encourage you to go and watch that. And a couple of the other um, things she's done too, because you do have a podcast, which mm -hmm. is the Deeper Look, which is a part mm -hmm. of your podcast on domestic mm -hmm. violence, and that 
you've had some really um, amazing people on there. Just like with the Love After Abuse, you had the authors on there. You also had Dr. Carmen Bryant, which mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know her, she does an awesome thing with um, overcoming narcissist abuse. So that one was a really good because um, that's actually one of my favorite topics. I talk about trauma bonding all the time only because um, a lot of people really do not know what it is and they yeah. don't know a lot of times why they keep going back to that abuser and that's that whole education piece about trauma bonding. Yep, and it's so true when you're in it, you don't know, like what is this, it's like an addiction, it's like a drug, what am I doing? It hurts, but I keep going back to it, why? And yeah, Dr. Carmen Bryan is a bomb, and I know that's your specialty, that narcissistic abuse, so hats off to you guys for focusing on that, because that is a big deal. And because you're talking about it, people can get free from it. Yes, and definitely, and that's, that's one of the biggest things about awareness and education. Once you have that educational piece, it, it makes more sense to you. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Can you talk a little bit about trauma bonding? You don't have to go like fully yeah. talk a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. When you're in a situation, you don't realize, why do I keep going back to this person? He's hurt me so much. I love him so much. You know, why do I continue to, to have this feeling toward them? It's like, I have to be with them. Well, because you become addicted to the pain and the trauma that you endure during the relationship. And I remember even in my first marriage, it's like, I knew that it was painful. I knew that it hurt, but I knew that I loved him and wanted to be with him. But why would I want to be with someone who was hurting me so much? And I realized that I was trauma bonded because even though some of his actions and reactions to me were painful and hurt, it's, I, it was still getting his attention. I was still getting what I needed from him. Meanwhile, it was painful and, I, and it was just, it, it sounds like the most confusing thing because it really is. And I realized that I was trauma bonded to him. Um, and honestly, no contact is the best thing ever when it comes to breaking a trauma bond. And we had two children. So for me, breaking no, no contact was extremely hard. Um, but I knew that he, I, you know, we talked about gray rocking, yes or no, yes or no answers. If it doesn't have to do with the children, there's no discussion because um, abusers will try to get to you through conversations through the children. So I really had to gray rock him and decide, put boundaries up um, that were my own. So yeah, trauma bonding is very difficult. It's definitely worth studying. It's definitely worth realizing that that's what's occurring. And, you know, Dr. Carmen Bryant talked about it too, and I know that you're aware of this, but it's, it's like a detox. You have to literally allow yourself the space to heal. If you continue communication, it's, it's just damaging to you. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people get, like you said, they get caught up in that, well, we have to talk for the kids and, and things like that. So we can't go completely no contact. And if you can go completely no contact, that's awesome. I would suggest yeah. doing it because it, it, it really works. But if, like you said, if you can't and you feel like there's no third party communication where you can communicate through a third party for the kids, right. definitely the gray rock method. Because yeah, if you don't put those boundaries up, then it'll just keep going on forever. Exactly. And they're not used to you having boundaries. So this is going to blow them away, but you have boundaries anyway, because you deserve, you deserve the respect. So. Yeah. And they'll try to, yeah, you're exactly right. They'll try to tear away at those boundaries because they're not used to it. Like, who do you think you are? What do you mean? No. What do you mean? I can't, you know? Oh yeah. Right. Exactly. I do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And then you also have, cause you do a lot of education, which is super important because like I said, you, ha you have to get that education piece so you can understand what's going on. And so you can prepare yourself so that you know for next time, you know, this is not where I want to be. So you have um, a couple things with education. You also have like a healing retreat that you do and then you do DV coaching, which is, I think is really awesome too. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, well, DV coaching is really an empowerment base. I'm a domestic violence empowerment coach. And one of the things that's really important that after you are out of the relationship that you find yourself, it's like we're out in the wilderness trying to figure out who we are, what do we like, what doesn't make sense, what do I want to be, what do I want to do, how do I move forward? And it's important to have an advocate, a coach, a counselor, or someone who's helping you find your footing, helping you find that solid ground that you need to move forward because you're coming out of a fog. And sometimes you just need someone to help you break it down. So you can do this. I know it hurts, but keep going anyway. I know it's painful. I know you didn't get that job. I know you don't have a resume, but let's, let's create one. Let's do this. Let's do that. And you really, so I just empower the survivors to find their voice, number one, and number two, to get back on their feet and realize that they can thrive afterward. You know, a little bit of my story with um, when I first left my abuse, I didn't have an education. It took me 10 years to complete my bachelor's degree. When I went to school, when I was with him, he thought I was sleeping with a professor. So education was a no-go, you know? And so I told myself that I was going to get my education. So I went back to school and I got my bachelor's degree. I was a single mom going to school at night, um, a single mom of two children, they were two and three years old, right? And so when I tell people this, I'm not telling you that it's easy. I'm not telling you that it's not lonely. I'm not telling you that it's it's not hard because it is. But I knew that in order for me to be anything that I wanted to be, I needed to push. And so I finished my bachelor's in psychology. I went back and I pursued my master's in psychology. And I went and finished my doctorate in um, health. Oh, oh my gosh, mental health. Um, and so what the important part of that for me was that I'm doing my dissertation right now on domestic violence and the black church. So for me, it was important to conquer every fear that I ever had. So I don't care if your fear is climbing a mountain, go climb that mountain. I don't care if your fear is to get a job, go get a job. Whatever um, thing that you're afraid of, whatever, whatever you think you cannot do, you go do that thing. And that's what I do as an empowerment, as an empowerment coach. Because when, when I left, I was alone. Teresa, like Lolo, I didn't know who I was. And now nobody can tell me anything because I think I'm pretty amazing, you know? But I only say that, <laughs> I only say that because I literally crawled on my hands and knees, bloody bleeding to get to where I am today and to maintain that. Um, and so I, I encourage people to do just that. There's, I, I truly believe that there's nothing that you can't do. Absolutely nothing you can't do. So, Definitely. Yeah, so that was the empowerment coaching. Um, and so I just help people to pursue the dreams that they never thought possible. Um, because no one could have told me that there was love after abuse or life after abuse, or I would go to sleep next to a man who loved me every night and was not going to ever hurt me. No one could have told me that when I was in it. Um, so that's the empowerment coaching and the healing intensive retreat um, is just an opportunity for survivors from around the country to get together and heal, um, laugh, cry, process, um, bring, I, you know, I bring different experts in to help them get to the other side. Oftentimes it's, you think in domestic violence that you're alone, right? And then when you come together at a retreat, you realize, I'm not alone. Are you serious? You went through this too? Um, and so it's just an opportunity for, the, for you to just be. Some survivors have never shared their story. And so we give them a platform just in front of a small group to share their story and to heal and, and just to be okay with the journey that they've been through. So I know I talked a lot, right? That was a really long answer. No, that's good though. I, I love hearing about it because I think I also want um, the listeners to hear about this because this is really good resources for people, especially like um, the, the coaching because obviously you're empowering them and things like that. But the healing retreat, I feel like that's something that would be really um, interested for a lot of the domestic violence survivors because like you said, you feel like you're alone and then you get there to the retreat and you see that there's so many people with similar stories and so many people that have overcome it. So I, I love that that's one of the things that you provide for people. 
Yeah, we're looking for more sponsors to cover it because we want survivors to be able to come whether they can afford it or not, you know. And we do have criteria and stipulations because, you know, if you're still in it, it's not a good point for you. If you're dealing with anything significant at the point, we want to make sure that everyone is safe and has an opportunity to really go through the process in a healthy way. So as a mental health therapist, to me, that's very important. So we want to make sure that um, all of that is taken care of as well. So, yes. Definitely. And then you have some really interesting partnerships that you're, um, you have too, because you're partnering with a couple of places to, in order to provide things to domestic violence survivors. You have like, um, on your website, you have information about immigration and family law through the, um, Sonia, who's an attorney. And then you also, um, have a partnership that you've done in the past with Elizabeth house, um, which is a shelter in the Orlando area. And then of course the blanket project. So can you talk a little bit about those two? Yeah, well, the Blanket Project is, is Michelle. She, she's amazing. She's also a survivor. And she started the Blanket Project just making blankets and realizing it was for her as she's growing up a comfort. And, um, and so we partnered. She reached out to me. I'm so glad she reached out to us. And we were able to provide blankets literally to every, every corner in the United States so far from Washington State to Florida, to New York, to everywhere has some of her blankets right now. So it's amazing. And they literally make these blankets by hand. And can I just tell you how the survivors have responded with, thank you so much. This blanket goes everywhere with me. I didn't realize that the blanket would provide me with so much comfort. Um, and sometimes, you know, survivors end up leaving in the middle of the night. They leave with only the things that they have. And this blanket has provided not just the survivors, but their children with a lot of comfort. So we're happy and so excited to partner with the Blanket Project. Um, the other one, oh, Sonia is amazing. See, Sonia is an immigration attorney, right? And so oftentimes those, those who are immigrants to the United States, when there's a domestic violence situation, they are afraid to call the police. They don't want to be deported. There's so many things that they don't, um, their, their immigration status is held over their head by their abuser. And yeah. as, as a trained, um, she was trained in a domestic violence advocacy, she's able to kind of go through all of that with the survivors, help them find their voice, trying to help them figure out how to navigate their own personal situation. And I love, Sonia's amazing. Um, and she's not a free attorney, but we're gonna get her free. We're gonna get her, so we're paying her to help our survivors one day soon. But honestly, she's amazing. And we just want people that are dealing with immigration and domestic violence to know that there are options available for you. You do have rights. You do not have to stay in an abusive situation just because you don't have the necessary paperwork. Yeah, I feel like that's important to note that too, because yeah, there are a lot of um, people who are scared because of their immigration status. And unfortunately, because of that, sometimes they don't seek the help or sometimes they don't even know that the help is out there. So I think that that's a huge, huge piece right there. Exactly. And then um, the other thing I wanted to talk about too is you have a lot of stories, obviously, because you've encountered so many survivors um, on your journey. Can you tell about an encounter with a survivor that just really touched your heart or just really changed you? No, there's like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I do have one. Um, I try not to get emotional when I think about it because it's just, you know, a survivor that I worked with. Um, it was like a big deal. He, he had um, beat her pretty bad and had been doing so for a long time. And um, one day it just literally came to a head. Um, with the police involved and everything like that, but she was able to come to safety. And um, I'm trying, you know, you try to tell a story without giving away any details. So, but the fact of the matter is it came to a head with the police and she's, um, she's been out probably about a year now. 
and she is caring for her children. She has her own place. She, you know, got information to go back to school. She's working full time. She literally has just found herself again. And it's hard to put it to words because when you see someone come from being completely broken down, completely under the control of an abuser, to actually blossoming and finding themselves, smiling when they look in the mirror. I like this. I don't like this. I enjoy this. The little things that you know we who are free take for granted, it's just the most amazing thing to see. Watching her flourish as a mother and independently care for her children, watching her just love and live has just been one of the most beautiful journeys that I've been on. And I mean... I probably can tell you a million stories, but that was one of the ones that really stuck with me because I still get to see her take this journey every day. And for me, it's just, when, when I think about it, I just get emotional, you know? And so, I mean, there's so many, like other ones that we've helped get to safety and to freedom and watching them find jobs, watching them get back on their feet, watching them say, I will not tolerate this abuse anymore. I just always want to shout for joy. I always want to cry because they did it and they're fighting for their life. Their abusers are reaching out to them, still trying to manipulate them, still trying to gaslight them, and they still fight, and they still find their voice, and they still keep going. So I, I, just, I just love what I get to do every day. I do, Teresa. I love it. Yeah, I can, I can see that, that it's such a passionate thing because, like you said, you see them from the beginning of them trying to, to fight and come out of it, and then you see them come out through the other side, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing, beautiful evolution of watching them. And you know the journey's not easy. You know it's not perfect. You know there's ups and downs. You know there's like, forget it, I'm going back home. Forget it, I might as well stay with him. Or he's promised that he's going to change. But then they still fight and they stay strong. And I'm on, I'm on call 24-7, literally. My husband says, baby, your phone is ringing. Grab it, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock. It doesn't matter. If you need me to talk you off the ledge, if you need me to be there to talk to you, we are. We have our team that reaches out to the people on social media media as well so yeah we are 24 7 but it doesn't matter because Teresa we realize we're saving lives we're saving children we're saving generations so we, we keep going and that's important I, I love that because there's so many times where people they may need to reach out and it may be you know not yep. not nine o'clock or t it could be 10 o'clock 11 o'clock and, and that's a good piece because sometimes you know when you like you said when you're in that moment you're in that moment especially with mm -hmm. the trauma bond um, yeah, there's a, yeah. at the beginning, there's a lot of moments myself. I can attest to that where you're, you, you feel like, Oh, you know, maybe I should just go back. Maybe it was just so that bad. You're, you're still coming out of that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, there, and domestic violence is not a nine to five, you know, and one of the things for our organization that was really important to me that I saw was lacking when I was in it was that the reason of it being available to survivors, even if they're still in the abusive relationship, that, that point was really important to me because it doesn't mean they're ready to leave just because they recognize they're in it. You know, right. I remember working with one survivor. She, it took, she wasn't ready for months, you know, and, but I was ready. When she was ready, she, she made the phone call. We were ready to help her, her move, like immediately, because we knew that she had been working on it. Just because you're not ready to leave, we help you safety plan within the home. You know, we help you ensure, have safety words, safety plans, communication to the outside. Make sure you have the resources inside to keep you and your children safe. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's you you like, don't have to be ready to leave for us to help you. That That's not, there's no... If you're not ready, that's okay. How can we help you now? Exactly. That's a huge, huge piece. You're, you're right. Because there's, I've seen myself so many organizations and so many support groups and so many different aspects where they're not necessarily geared towards the person that's still in the relationship. And you're right. Just because you've now 
gotten that education piece and you now realize, because first you have to, you know, realize for some, in some cases that it is even abusive relationships. Sometimes you don't even know exactly. it's abusive. And once you've realized that and you have that education piece, you may not think, I mean, it's not immediate thought that, okay, right now, today I'm going to leave. So you're right. You still need to do help them until they get to that point where they are ready to believe. And then two, um, the trauma bond is, is extremely strong. It's yeah. very, it can be very difficult to break. Not impossible, but Not because we all come out of the other side, but it can be very difficult to break. Mm -hmm. And it and makes so sense, like you said, to go back. You know, this is too hard out here. I, I didn't, like I had one survivor specifically say to me recently, I knew what life was like there. I had food, I had clothing, I had, because she ended up leaving with nothing. Literally, we said, just roll something up in your purse, take that with you and go. You know, she couldn't take anything else. And so with that being said, we know that additional resources are needed from clothing to food to everything. You literally need everything. And then it's like, well, you know what? This is too difficult. I had a bed to sleep in, I had food. I can go back to him, I knew he was gonna beat me, but at least I knew I had the necessities that I needed. And so you work with them until you realize, I know it's hard right now, but it won't always be like this. You know, I, I know you wanna go back, but we're here to support you you know yeah and so one of the big things for us is like making sure that we stay on top of receiving donations so that we don't have to turn a survivor down that we don't have to say we can't assist you with food or clothing we, I, I never never want us to be to the point where that's the case because domestic violence is life or death i will say that a million times domestic yes. violence is life or death. definitely you're it's it's fighting to save people's lives definitely period period yeah and what would you say, what is one thing that stand-up survivor has done for survivors that you, you didn't really expect or just made you have like a wow moment? You were like, wow, we, re we really did that. Hmm. I don't know. You know, I, I really can't say that there's one particular thing. I feel like I get to live wow moments every day whether it's a phone call from someone in Uganda, or if it is a woman from Texas calling saying, I need to leave today. Or if it's a woman in New York calling, please, I'm desperate, what do I do next? I don't know how to save myself and my children. I feel like every day, because of the, the kind of work that we do, every day is a wild moment, every day. I wake up, I, I am humbled and I'm thankful that I get to do what I do because my journey didn't have to end like this. I could have died in that. And I know that God uses you know the journey that I'm on to help other people. And until then, he's gonna just keep me working. I'm just, I'm humbled that I get to do what I do every day. So every day, honestly, I'm wild at what I get to do. I am, I am. Yeah. And I could, I could definitely see that because there's, there's so many, although we have a lot of similarities in our stories because we've survived some of the same things, but there's so many different um, people that you get to meet from different, all different types of walks of life with domestic violence. And there's, there's so many em empowering stories behind it. So yes, I could see you having a wild moment literally every day. I do. I do. And what is the what is important one important thing that you would say that you learned on your journey through domestic violence? Like what 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 is the big significant thing that you learned on your your journey? And there are some people experiencing domestic violence that you would never think. And you know, like as advocates, Teresa, we know that, like we do know that, but it's like the phone calls or the messages I get out, but like you too, you experience that too. You know, because statistics are one in three women and one in four men and one in three youth. So obviously it's all around us, but it's like you two, I thought you guys had the best relationship. Oh my goodness, I would have never thought you're so strong. You know, and I think while it sounds um, cliche, it's true because I promise you the person sitting next to you at work has experienced it or the person sitting across from you at church has experienced it or has experienced it. So um, to assume that everything looks good on the outside and is, is just as good as it looks is not always the case, so. Yeah, that's something I've learned. 
Yeah, and I and it's interesting you bring that up because I I would have to agree. I've learned the same thing because once I started the the nonprofit organization for domestic violence survivors, and once I started speaking out and sharing my story. I started to get, like you said, a ton of messages from people saying, hey, I'm a survivor too. Hey, I went through this too. And it was like, like you said, it was, I had a couple moments too. I was like, wow. And it was just people who I had known, people who I had been around for a while and never said a word until I started sharing my story. And I started to um, do work with the nonprofit. And then I started getting messages from people I, I even knew that I didn't even know that they were yep. a survivor. Yep. And imagine that you didn't know it. Imagine who, if anybody else knew, if they've ever even shared that. And some people say, I've never shared this with anyone, but I went through this. And I'm like, wow, well, first of all, thank you for sharing it with me. But second of all, wow, you know? Yeah, it's, it never so, ceases to amaze me. So yeah, and then, and then too, it's like once, yeah, you are promoting awareness and you're also giving that education piece, but you're also giving others that the courage to tell their story. Because that's, the, right. that's why when they, you do tell your story and you get that message that, hey, I'm a survivor too. They, they start to see that, hey, I can share my story too. That's right. That's why my, you know, my, my, my anthem, my logo, my hashtag is like, I found my voice. That's for me. I have shirt, I found my voice. Because there's nothing like finding your voice. And for me, that's why I called it stand-up survivor because I didn't have a voice. When you're in a abusive relationship, nothing you say, think, do matters you know, but when you find your voice, that's why I say, I say what I want to say now, you know, I stand on the mountaintop and say, my husband's like, you just say anything. I'm like, honey, you gotta <laughs> understand. I said, it was a time when I couldn't, and when I did say it didn't matter. So I'm all about finding your voice because when we find it, we use it. Yes. And if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self or just your early 20 self, your younger self, what would you say? <laughs> Girl, I know, right? <laughs> I say, no, don't do it. Because I met my ex-husband when I was 19. He's 19. Married him at 23. So I say, it's a no. I just say, it's a no, don't do it. That's not the path you want to go down. You know what I mean? Um, and he was my first love, my first everything. He was it, you know? And so for me, that was, once that occurs, you know, and you're just so connected that way, it was tough for me. It was tough. So I would say, back up, rewind, listen to Jesus, because this is not the one. I would not even have gone down that road at all whatsoever. What are some of the like red flags that you think that you, maybe you missed? Um, it's so funny because connecting that question to the previous one, like he told me my dad was abusive to my mom. That's a red flag, period. It may be, okay, it may be that he tells you that or she tells you that and it's okay because they are the opposite, but you have to figure out which one is which? You don't know. And that's a red flag. It should say, oh, okay. So he's grew up in domestic violence. I need to keep an eye on that. that. I mean, you told me that. And still, I was so naive. Teresa, no education. I had no idea about domestic violence at all. Um, and so because my parents have been married, I think, what is it, 52, 53 years this year? I didn't see domestic violence wow. growing up. I know. I just love them. I, awesome. I didn't see it growing up. I didn't see it growing up. So to me, I was so shocked, you know? And so I would say those red flags, being aware of how they treat people, how they treat others, um, where they di direct their temper. I remember even when we were dating, I remember going to his apartment and there were like holes in the wall. And he was like, well, I got upset, but I, I hit the wall. Like not thinking I could be next. You know what I mean? It would never connect it to me. So you got to look at that and the way they treat other people, simple things, the way they treat their mother, how people are around them. And if other people tell you about them, listen, we talked about this with Dr. Uh, was it Dr. Carmen when we talked about how you know, going back to tell the ex about what they did. Why, why would they lie to you? 
you know, just listen to them. At least take notes on what they're saying. Don't completely disregard them thinking, oh, they're going to love me better or I'm different. That's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people have fallen into into that trap, myself included. Oh, yeah. Me, myself included, too. Well, I'm different. He would never. Girl, yes, he would. You're not, you're not any different. And that's the truth of the matter. Anyway. Yeah, because they don't, they're, they're not, abuser is not doing the change within themselves. So Period. Not. Exact. Perfect. Every person said. that they get with, it's, it's going to be the same. Same thing. That's right. And what message do you, would you give to survivors? About what specifically? About, I would say, like, what message would you give to survivors that have just left? Like, they're just like, because I know that when you leave, um, they're, they're at that point where they, they don't feel like sometimes, and I know myself included, so I'm actually speaking from my own experience too. Sometimes they don't see that, that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I would say you can do it. I said, don't, you can do it. Don't go back. Okay. And um, yeah, you can run. I always tell people, this is my thing, run. Are you thinking about leaving? You're not sure, run. You know, run may not mean you walk out the door right now, but it could mean within the next 30 days you're planning and you're preparing yourself with a safety plan and advocate to leave. But if you've just left, give yourself a chance. If you've just left an abusive relationship and it doesn't feel good and it's uncomfortable and you're confused and they're calling and they're telling you to come back, just know, give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance to win. You deserve it. Give your chance a chance to heal. You deserve it. Give yourself a chance to be loved. You deserve it. You know? Uh, give your children a chance to grow up in a healthy home and in a healthy relationship. Give yourself a chance to break the cycle. Don't give up too soon. Don't turn around too quick. Yeah, I, w I would say that that actually really is is awesome advice, especially because I did work with um, a woman who had, because um, a lot of times with domestic violence, financial abuse is huge. Um, and in her situation, he controlled all the finances. He would not, um, you know, basically she didn't have any money unless he was going to give her the money. And she had two kids and she was really nervous about that. Um, but she did end up leaving in those first couple weeks, you know, she was really nervous about um, the financial situation. And she was almost feeling like because of the financial situation, she was wanting to go back. Mm -hmm. um, but she did end up getting a job and things did end up working out for her and she got her own place and it was you know it was really awesome it did work out for her but I I, I just love that I do too I, I love when I see people come out from the other side I love it um but in those first couple weeks she was very you know skeptical so I have seen it where you're like uh, where they they think well maybe I should just go back because like you said they know what's expected when they when they come back yes he, yeah. he's doing this to me and he's He's abusing me, but I still have the food on the table. I still have the home. And so sometimes people, they struggle with that. And so I like how you said, give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance because it, it's going to be hard. We're not going to tell you that it's not going to be nope. hard because it is. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be hard. <laughs> yep. But and the least, unknown and the unknown is hard. You don't know. You know what's back there, and you, but you don't right. know what's here. And yeah, sometimes you can't eat good and sometimes you're not you are sleeping on the floor and sometimes you can't afford this and that but guess what i remember when i was a single mom my two children we had macaroni and cheese right a lot because it lasted and a five dollar pizza from hungry cow was because it lasted you know and it was cheap listen it is it is what it is but if we were happy and we were okay we would take a five dollar pizza and go sit on the beach like it would be that was enough for us we didn't have to have a lot and sometimes and they're okay and i always tell survivors you know the women i'm like your children are as happy as you are you can do it 
you can do it. You create the atmosphere in your home for your children and you give them the opportunity to be happy and to find peace and to find joy. My children and I used to sit in our room afraid and watch, I used to sit with them each in my arms because they were a year apart and then watch his feet under the door so he was done raging for the night. I don't, that's not a way to live. Let me give my children a happy home and you have the power to do that. So stick it out. Don't give up and don't go back because I'm going to say this too, if I have permission, he could kill you. She could kill you. Domestic violence is life or death. And they make, they may promise to do this. They may call saying they change. I promise you they haven't. I mean, I promise you they haven't. No. And if, and if they decide they have changed, because I believe that God can absolutely do anything and change anyone, let them change, let them work on their problem. You don't have to live in the same house with them while they, while they get it together. Cause you're just going to have be back in the same situation. I ran, but I'm sorry, but you know, no, I, I love that. That's, that's important to hear because, yeah, a lot of people, they, they struggle with that. They think that, oh, well, you know, he's, he's changing. And, and sometimes they will start off to work on oh, changing. Yeah. Um, and then there's some that they're just, they're just saying the words. They're just mouthing the words. They're not even really attempting to change. And like you said, if you stay while they're not really in that process and they're not really changing, it's yeah. only going to get worse. And I think people... Sometimes they forget about they, that piece because they're so trauma bonded and they're so yep. concerned about the financial aspects and they're so concerned about all these different things, which all are important, but they're missing the piece that, like you said, that person can kill you. That's and period. it only takes that one time. And at this point, you're no longer here. And, and now, you know, you can't go back from that. Nope. Nope. And your children, I always used to pray, God, please, I don't want anybody else to raise my children. You know, I always say, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I knew my ex-husband was going to kill me. Too many bruises, too many pushes, too many going through walls. It was too much. And I didn't want any, my children were two and three. I didn't want anybody else to raise my children. But I will add this. I always say that if I knew the life now, if I knew that life, the life that I'm living now was waiting for me, on the other side of that, I would have left a long time ago. You mean, you mean to tell me that I could have been happy and I could have been at peace and my kids, what? If I knew, if I could have just dreamed that this life existed, I would have left him a long time ago. So I, I want to encourage you to give yourself the opportunity to dream and believe that life outside of what you're living now exists and that you can okay. get there. I love that. I definitely, I love, love, love that. Because I, I think about that too, not even... Um, I mean, yeah, there's still some things that, you know, I still want to do and there's things, but one of the biggest things that um, was like my light at the end of the tunnel that finally went now that, you know, I've been out of it is that I have peace mm. and, and the peace that I, I have is, is, uh, so I, I would encourage you, even if it's just not just for anything else, the peace that you have, mm. I don't have someone mm. who is calling my phone back to back to back to back and, and screaming at me because I haven't done this right and I'm not doing this right. I don't have to yep. deal with any of that yep. anymore. I can wake yep. up and, you know, start my day and, and do all the things that I want to do. And I don't ever have to worry about someone calling me and, okay, now I have to run in here and do this. And, and is this not right? And, you know, what's going to happen if this, I don't, you don't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine life. Whoever's listening, imagine life like that. That's exactly what you deserve to live. I even made a post this morning about my husband on Facebook because I was like, boy, you're just too good. Like, like I don't, I'm, anything I say I want to do. He's like, baby, you can totally do that. I'm like, I want to live on the moon. He's like, absolutely. You know, it's always like whatever I say, no, that's stupid. No, nothing like that. I'm always pushed to be who I, whoever I want to be. And I remember being in my, in my first marriage, it was just like, I just felt so stupid and worthless and not good enough. And nothing I did was good enough. And, and I, I longed to be myself. 
you know? And so in this relationship, that's exactly who I am. I just enjoy being me, you know, and he celebrates that. Um, and so you were talking about peace. And I want to say, um, one of the things that I, I'm so happy about is the deep joy that I have. Like nobody gave me this joy. So nobody has the opportunity to take it from me. This joy is like good old deep, deep joy. And I love that. You know, no matter if it's a rough day, a hard day, I have that deep joy. Just like you talk about that peace, you know, that we fought for, that we longed for for so long. So, yeah. Yes. That is, it is, and I like how you, you brought in, um, you know, your first marriage, the abusive relationship, because you were talking about like, you felt you, well, number one, you said you could, you didn't feel like you could be yourself. And then he, you constantly felt like this was stupid. This was worthless. And that's such a key point because what a lot of times these abusers do is they manage you down. And I didn't know that until after I got educated and I got out of the relationship and I, I, you know, was able to see things for what they really are. And I saw how managed down I was mm. in that, though, that relationship and how constantly, like you said, you're everything, you know, you know, this is stupid. Well, you should, you need to fix this. It's, it's literally everything about you needs to be fixed. Yep. And, and I walked around feeling like there were so many things wrong with me and so many things that need to be fixed and I'm not capable of doing this and, mm-hmm. and I can't do this. And now, like you said, now you can't tell me nothing. Now I'm oh, like, no. there is nothing that I can't do and I'm going to conquer it all yes. as long as it takes me. That's I'm going right. to do all of it. And I, like That's you said, right. now I have a voice and I'm going to, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to That's say whatever right. I need to say. So it's, it's just, when you come out from that other side, the difference is just, ooh, it's, it's remarkable. It's that it is. I love that. I'm like, yes, girl, yes. All of that. And we want that for you, whoever's listening. We, we, we want that for you because you deserve it. Yes, I think you too, absolutely do. too long you're in that relationship and it, and it gets you to a point where you, you feel like you can't do anything and you feel like um, you're, you know, maybe this, maybe the ideas and the things that I think are stupid and, you know, maybe- right. I, there is something really wrong with me. And I, and like you said too, which is why I love that you have that um, love after abuse um, book yeah. collection, because yeah. too many people also think that, well, now I'm damaged and now I've had this, these bad relationships. I'm never going to find love and I'm never going to find a man who, who's sees that I've been abused and is going to treat me well. So I'm glad that you have that piece of it because they can see that, yes, you can get into a healthy relationship. Um, but you, you do have to do the work when you come out on the other side so that you do the work, yes. do the work <laughs> that you get to that other, that healthy yeah. relationship. You know, you yeah. do need to get that, that counseling, that therapy, that DV coaching so that you can educate yourself on to what, as to what happened, but also do the work so that you can be healthy so that you can go yeah. into a relationship that is healthy. Yeah, that's goodness. You know, Teresa, when you were thinking that, I was just imagining like a bridge. There's not like pain. You take a bridge over and then it's just wholeness. No, forget the bridge. You're literally crawling through mud and guck and pain and tears and heartache and and happiness to get to the other side of that wholeness and that healing and that that afterlife. Um, There's no bridge to get in there. You got to do the work. Yeah. And I think that that sometimes people, sometimes they miss that piece and they they think that, okay, I'm just going to um, I left him. I'm going to come off um, out to the other side and then we're, we're done and I move on. But that healing and doing the work is so critical for you to, to fully yep. be, be healthy enough so before you can even begin to have a new relationship. That's and sometimes right. that, that piece is missed. And then sometimes when that piece is missed, sometimes people find themselves in another abusive relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. So that, that key piece right there cannot, cannot be missed. Can't skip and, it. 
yeah, I, I myself, I can attest to that because I skipped that piece the first time around mm. and found myself um, in a second abusive relationship. So yeah, definitely take that time to do the work, the education and the healing and the counseling, therapy, yep. coaching, all of it so that you can come out to the other side. I love that. Yep. I'm a big advocate of, of coaching and I'm a big ag advocate of therapy too, because too. That, the work needs to be, be done so that you can, you can feel good about yourself too. And, and just, yeah. yeah, because you've been, like you said, you've been put down for so long. Mm -hmm. um, you begin to believe it. Absolutely. And people think, you know, all you see on Facebook is the good stuff. People aren't posting, like they say, their failures and the work process. The work is ugly. It's not pretty and it doesn't feel good. But what you see everybody smiling and posting this and that, that's not the work. That, that's the after work, unless it's the fake work, but it's the after work. You know, what you're looking at as myself and myself and Teresa, it's like we did the work, you know, and that's why we decided to help others do the work through our organizations as well. But you got to do the work. We can't and we can't do the work for you as your advocates. We can't. You got to do that. No, you have to be at that point where you, you really want it. You want the change. And we're here to support you as you go through the work. Um, but you got to be the one to do the work. Definitely. You have to have to be at that point where you, you really want to change and it's, and it's hard. But like you said, I love how you said you stayed with her until she got to that point that she was ready to leave because you can't make that decision for them as advocates. We can't make that decision for you. But when, once you get to that point and you're ready to leave, you know, of course. Oh yeah. Let's go. Let's celebrate. Let's do it. And then it's like you put, you put them outside the fence and you close it and they're like, but maybe I should no stay on the other side of the fence. Right. Don't come back. You can do this. Just keep going. You know? I'm visual, so I always have this little analogy that I use. But. No, I'm the same way. I love these <laughs> too. But yeah, you, you have to make sure that that door stays closed. Um, because a lot of times, like you said, when they go back with that, oh, let me just have that no contact. I, I think I even saw a post the other day where someone was con contemplating breaking no contact. And um, I was, they were like, you know, well, maybe if I just, just have this um, talk because, you know, their family member died and, and oh. I just feel really bad. And, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I, no. I actually have a similar story with my story. Um, a family member died and it was actually um, a brother of his and someone who's just really close to him. And I decided, mm. oh, I would just go back for that. And um, a week later I got punched to the face. Mm. So I always tell my story to tell people, wow. don't, don't break contact. I thought I was helping too, and I was going to be there because, oh, well, you know, he lost someone. He really needs my help. Don't break contact. It's, it's Don't not break right. contact. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. That's a great example, actually. Yeah, I tell that story a lot because, um, and too, because, you know, you think, well, this person really needs my help, and, you know, because they've lost this person, but you miss the piece that, yes, they, they may be in a bad situation, a bad situation because you know they've lost someone who's really close to them but they're still the same person that they were they're correct correct they're they have not, not changed just changed. because they've lost someone does not mean that they have changed no nope. and they so may now, have gone to jail they may have gone to jail and come out that doesn't mean that they've changed they may no. have gotten a new job or a new that doesn't mean they've changed they're still the same person yep they might have a new car new career new everything i'm changed now i'm working now i'm working i'm working you know i'm, I'm out i've been clean no no no, until they do the work yeah and, and a lot of times um they don't want to do the work not all um abusers are narcissists but there are a great deal of them that are and they don't believe that they have any real problems Problem. so they won't they won't even attempt to do the work because nope. in their mind 
you're the one that needs to change. So it's, it's a lot, you're going back to someone who's not going to change one bit. And in fact, a lot of times it gets worse. And so you, you're coming from that place of wanting to help because a person died in their family and you want to help them. But to be honest, in some cases, they're even in a worse position because they, they're already an abusive person and now they just had something traumatic happen and they don't even um, process that properly like you and I would. Nope, so nope. instead of recognizing that he has a person here that's helping him and supporting him through this traumatic time, he's just focusing on his needs and his wants. And, yep. you know, I pay for it by getting punched in the face. So I, yeah, I, when I saw that post, I was like, oh yes, please, please don't break no. the contact. Yep. <laughs> please yep. don't. It's like ripping the bandaid off and starting to have to heal the wound all over again. Yes. You know? Yes, definitely. I saw a post about that the other day too. You're, you're just restarting your healing mm -hmm. process over yep, again all over again, and just putting yourself that much, much backwards. Mm -hmm. It's almost kind of like, um, I equate it to like, you know, um, getting a degree and stuff like that. That would be like just starting your classes all, all over again. You know, you're like yeah. this close to the finish line to get the degree and then you start the classes back over again. Can you like, imagine? Terrible. Yeah. You don't want to get to that point where you're so close to the finish line and then you just bring yourself backwards it's nope not worth it well thank you so much for coming on i like i said it was a real treat to have you on because um i love people who are really doing so much but also i love just that you are so about education and empowering and dv awareness because those are things that are so key um to getting out to domestic violence survivors and not only that um they're not alone but that there are resources all over and you can help people all over so um thanks for having me i'm so glad i'm so glad that we connected this way yay and thanks for having me i really appreciate it i love the work that you're doing so keep going keep going we got things to do yes we do so everyone i encourage you um if you have not already please go out and check out stand up survivor and please um can you give us your website Yes, www.standupsurvivor.com. Um, and on social media, it's facebook.com slash standupsurvivor. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Lisa. And you have an awesome day. And everyone, thank you. Thanks, Teresa. See you. Bye.